cash-to-cash cycle seems like an easy way for companies to assess their supply chains. So why do so many find it difficult to do? Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain. And this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. The cash-to-cash cycle is the period from when a company spends the first dollar on materials for a product to when it receives a dollar of revenue from the buyer. It's a useful metric for determining supply chain efficiency and, ultimately, profitability. But a lot of companies have a tough time deploying it. What are they missing? Where are the gaps in their calculations, the invisible costs that somehow don't get factored in? We'll get answers today from my guest, Jay Fortenberry, a former executive at Honeywell, John Deere, and Toyota. He's developed a cash-to-cash model that claims to save companies millions of dollars through better visibility of costs and the revamping of business processes to create more efficient operations. According to Fortenberry, it can make the difference between mere survival and long-term viability. So here is my conversation with Jay Fortenberry. Jay Fortenberry, welcome to the show. Thank you. Jay, would you define for me what is the cash-to-cash cycle? The cash-to-cash cycle is defined as a period of time between when a company spends a dollar on purchases from a supplier until when it becomes a dollar of revenue from the customer. The shorter the time frame, the better. And by reducing the cash-to-cash cycle, a company firms up its balance sheet, improves its cash flows, and cuts its working capital requirements. Okay, sounds simple enough, almost business 101, I would think. And indeed, on page one of your white paper on the Fortenberry cash-to-cash series, you show a little diagram. There's a Venn diagram. There's a a few uh, codes there that relate to a few of the important aspects of it. It looks simple, but then, of course, you go on for 53 more pages to explain it. So what is different about your formula as opposed to maybe just a a basic cash-to-cash cycle that might be laid out in a business 101 environment? Management's principal focus for a business should be on growing profits and cash flow, as these are the primary elements of creating shareholder value. So a business can be profitable with a strong return on investment, but may not consistently generate cash. And cash not earnings reduces debt, and a business without sufficient cash ultimately becomes bankrupt. So the cash-to-cash that I talk about is imperative for the survival of a business. All right. How did you come to develop your concept of the cash-to-cash series? I've been in supply chain for 40 years, and the major goal of a supply chain is to reduce the complexity as well as the overall cycle time for products and services. So I've learned that this is achieved by understanding and analyzing your product groups and your product families, developing a standard approach to managing cycle time, adapting to each specific supply chain or business, pursuing improvements based on effort and impact, and then finally developing a continuous improvement process linked to performance to sustain it all. 
So it was kind of formed in the flames, so to speak, of your actual real-world experience at places like Toyota and Honeywell, right? Absolutely. And the, the leadership teams that were associated with both of those companies. In your investigation of how companies treat or don't treat the cash-to-cash cycle or series, where do you see the big black holes that are commonly there? What are they missing most of all the different things that make up a cash-to-cash cycle? It really goes to people process tools in the way I look at things. And so the culture is 60% of the effort processes or 30%, and the tools are or technology are 10%. And in my past, I've had businesses that had world-class processes and world-class tools but were abject failures at improving the cash flow because we didn't work long enough on the culture. So the way I see it is all companies have a core set of values, and organizations' values must be authentic and fully supported by the leadership team. Otherwise, people won't follow them. So it's really critical that the employees grasp what these values are and actively work to put them into practice. Anytime we use the word values, I think we are automatically talking about leadership from the very top that guides those values throughout the organization. I can imagine how a CFO might be able to grasp this concept pretty easily, but do you find that CEOs and VPs and people at the non-finance people at the in the executive suite have a real understanding of this? Most efforts in this area fail because traditional approaches translate to lower customer service as inventories go down. Manufacturing guys don't own the problem because most inventory is finished goods, so they pitch it over the wall to the marketing groups. And then multifunctional problems, as you try to communicate horizontally through the organization, transpire. So inventory reductions haven't always led to customer service improvements. So the magic of just-in-time manufacturing isn't necessarily an answer in this respect either. I mean, that is a, an inventory reduction strategy, and yet it's not always a solution. Sure, and, and that's a core value of Toyota. So as I was doing my research on this, I kept having come out of the Toyota world where inventories were always ratcheted down very tight. Just-in-time was the real linchpin or the key to how they achieved their success. Just like at, when I was at Honeywell, our cycle time program was what our chairman used to drive it through the organization. Again, it goes back to the leadership of the company to drive the programs and to focus people properly. Again, a Toyota, very famous for instituting lean principles. Uh, but can that be short-sighted? Can, can companies be so focused on leaning out the organization that their eye is not really on the ball on cash? I tend to think they're both really synonymous, and a truly well-run organization is lean and does have that focus on cash. So what are some of the myths that need to be debunked before companies can approach this in an intelligent way? I know that you outline in your paper some myths with regard to inventory assumptions, as we've spoken of just now. What are some of the things that you have to kind of instruct companies in to think differently about in order to make this work? Yeah, well, contrary to popular myth, uh, inventory is located throughout the entire business. It's not just at a manufacturing plant or a distribution center. Sales says they want customer service requirements, so they need more inventory. Manufacturing is always looking for lower costs, thus they require more production, bigger batches. 
and finance needs to deliver earnings, and earnings tend to trump inventory focus. So no one really is committed to lower inventory balances within most companies. Well, as you say, inventory is not just in warehouses. Inventory is in transit. That's yeah. a very important part. Inventory is on the water in very slow, slow boats because that's what container ships do. It would seem that a company that wanted to speed up the cash-to-cash cycle might think, okay, the answer then is to speed up the transit. Let's, let's expedite this transportation, thereby uh, shortening up the cycle, but in the process, increasing one's shipping costs to the point where you're actually threatening profits. So is it possible that they could be wrong thinking in that way? The dynamics of a supply chain are continually changing, and customers change, suppliers are added, investments are made in new plants, trade regulations grow, and logistics costs do something. And so with the increase in cross-border requirements, the supply chain has become increasingly central to the management of cash. As I've looked at this in my past, it's a real balance between speed and inventory levels and responding to your customer. So now we're talking about something that is a little more complicated than a Venn diagram or a mathematical formula. You're injecting some art into the science, aren't you? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, What about cost of capital? It seems like a lot of companies, when they trumpet their profits, very conveniently leave that out or overlook it. Do you find that companies aren't paying close enough attention to that? Since the uh, Great Recession, the cost of capital has been very low. So that's not something that most companies have looked at. In fact, they tend to ignore that, and one uptick in interest rates will greatly bring their attention right back to this subject. But that certainly is part of the cash-to-cash cycle, is it not? Yes, it is. So in looking forward, companies, as you say, eventually we're going to see, we've already seen a slight increase in interest rates, but eventually we're going to see more. So maybe it's something the companies ought to be thinking about a little more seriously right now. Yes, before it actually hits to them, yes. Yeah. Another thing that happens that we've seen a lot of change lately in is supplier financing and changes in payment terms. Here again, it seems like if a company wants to shorten its cash-to-cash cycle, it might create shorter, try to impose shorter payment terms on its customers, at the same time stretching them out for its suppliers. How does cash-to-cash cycle strategy impact or relate to the whole question of payment terms downstream to customers and upstream to suppliers? Those are typically very emotional conversations, and so the way that I work this is I try my best not to go in there. Yes, I do look at INCO terms, and I do look at the way that product is delivered to customers, but really you can get to this equation by working your own processes internally and without inflicting pain on both your suppliers and your customers. I'm well aware of how payment terms are used throughout the whole supply chain, but I tend to feel that this is a much less emotional conversation to really drive into your own processes to understand how they're operating. Do you see differing approaches to -to cash-to-cash in public versus private companies, publicly owned or publicly traded companies, who are historically under, I would think, greater pressure from their shareholders for quarter-to-quarter increases in in profits. Does that affect their approach to the cash-to-cash cycle as opposed to a private company that might feel it has a little more leeway and a little more time in developing profitability? It can. I I have worked with some privately owned companies that truly didn't understand. Their, Their entrepreneurs were great thinkers, phenomenal at inventing new product. 
but they really didn't understand as they grew how they evolved and how their supply chain evolved. And so I find working with them, it really resonates with them because quite often they're having to go to the bank to borrow money to pay taxes and things of that nature. So this can give you a very immediate improvement in your cash flow just by really understanding how you receive raw materials from your suppliers or how you deliver your finished goods out to your customers. Now, you have had extensive experience in automotive, and you've had it in high-tech, but I'm sure you've also reviewed a bunch of other industries and their approach to this whole issue. Which industries do you think are doing an especially good job, or a bad job for that matter, in managing their cash-to-cash cycle today? Well, the ones that are the highest challenge would be medical devices and the pharma industry, they and having consulted in the nutraceutical area, which is vitamins, I can attest that they have just grown up with these gigantic supply chains simply because they must have the cash flow to pay for them. Conversely, automotive and consumer products are probably the best well-run within this area. So it relates to the nature of the product itself, yes, not so much the uh, management abilities of the people in those industries. Yes, there is yeah. definitely a correlation there. I mean, high-tech, I think you said as short as five days, but medical devices, 309 days. I mean, that's yes. insane. Yes. You know, how does anybody make a profit or has anybody generate cash with a with a cash-to-cash cycle like that? Yes. But again, you say that's just the nature of the beast? It can be. So I worked in the uh, nutraceutical business about a year ago in helping a vitamin manufacturer understand exactly how their cash flows were working. And they... On their raw material flows, their range of inbound lead times range between 110 days to 162 days with the average of 127 days. That's a four-month lead time average in order for them to get their raw materials in to build their product line. They had $9 million in inventory wrapped up in this. And by streamlining their flows, I was able to immediately take a half million dollars out of their cash flow. So even though that industry might be saddled with natural characteristics that demand a longer cash-to-cash cycle, there's still things that can be done to shorten it. Yes, absolutely. It's actually, was for me, was very easy to go in and just look through. And in, in that case, going back to your earlier question about payment terms, their payment terms with their suppliers was delivered duties paid or DDP, and I didn't even monkey with that. I just worked through with the supplier to find a better shipping process to go from Jingdao to Vancouver, British Columbia, which took 16 days completely out of the cycle time. So it's just, in this case, a lot of just vessel scheduling and the way you scheduled your QC process and the way you scheduled your downstreams as you go into manufacturing. I want to talk more about corporate culture because it seems to me that what you've laid out here in terms of the importance of cash-to-cash cycle, it's really mom and apple pie. I mean, what executive would not say that this is crucial? What executive would not want to shorten to the maximum his or her cash-to-cash cycle? And yet you talk about how culture can sometimes, as you say, conspire to actually undercut positive results. What are you talking about when you say that? Well, business strategy deployment is an integrated approach to driving organization development, and it focuses on business objectives and goals and concentrating employee engagement on continuous improvement. So it's really up to leadership to drive that. 
the leadership team has to ensure that the organization's objectives are focused squarely on the commercial goals, and then they can properly hold all accountable for the performance of the business. Does this tie in with what you refer to as the inventory conspiracy? What do you mean by that? Yes, it totally ties into the inventory conspiracy. Everybody within a business conspires to hold inventory and to spend working capital. I'm wondering also, though, if if a company is obsessed with shortening its cash-to-cash cycle and does have pressure from shareholders to show those quarter-to-quarter results, might this cause some companies to forego or even avoid critical long-term investments that might, in the short term, lengthen that cash-to-cash cycle and yet yield benefits in the long term? No. In this case, this will create a plethora of dollars just by simply looking at the way that you've designed or your supply chain has evolved over time. You can immediately go in, and the example I gave on the raw materials from Jingdao to Vancouver, I was able to look at that within a week and immediately hit $500,000 to the bottom line. Conversely, I looked at their finished goods flows from Vancouver down into Australia, and the same thing was there. I was able to pick off about a million five within a week of improvements that they could make immediately without adding cost or adding software to their company. It seems like what you're proposing would de- does a really good job of, of having companies adopt, say, a macro view of their organization. On the, on the logistics side, we talk about total landed costs for that higher level kind of thing. I'm also wondering then if this approach allows companies to make more intelligent decisions about things like outsourcing and labor deployment. Absolutely. It's going through and value stream mapping your entire organization, and you start off supply chain by supply chain to really understand where your time is being spent and where value is being added and where value is being taken away. So you look at the timing of information flows, you look at the supplier lead times, the whole supplier cost structures of cost versus time and inventory, the manufacturing setup and execution times, and the choice and cost of logistics. You've said that a company can have profit without cash, essentially. Is it possible that it can also have cash without profit? Cash, not earnings, reduces debt, and a business without sufficient cash ultimately becomes bankrupt. So the cash-to-cash is imperative for the survival of the business, and from what I've seen. How long is this? Have, have you had this white paper out, and what kind of a response have you seen to it so far? We released the white paper in November. I started writing more in January. It's been pretty overwhelming with the response from people because it's really simple stuff. That's the way I was taught at Toyota is the simpler, the less complex, the easier it is to go fix things. So as we've worked through this, I'm also now teaching at the university level, is it's really refining the message down to this is simple stuff that it's just people process tools and really understanding how your culture works how your processes are built, and then what tools you're using to, and using only the amount of technology needed to achieve the business objectives. But again, you needed 53 pages in order to lay it out, and there's no fat in that report either. I mean, that's 53 pages of real content. So simple stuff, but a lot of stuff to think about. So for a company that really wants to get its eye on on the ball with regard to cash to cash, what might be the first steps it should take in that direction? My advice for all sizes of businesses to keep it simple. Complexity drives variability, which drives and affects cash flow. 
So the drive the process from a business strategy deployment with ownership by the leadership team. That's real key is the leadership team owns this. To identify all critical value streams, key components, product families, and perform baseline analysis of end-to-end cycle time for each of these critical streams. Then you integrate the cycle time results into your sales inventory and operations planning. I call it PSYOP, but sales and operations planning with the gains linked to inventory delivery and quality improvements. You employ the right amount of technology to achieve your results, and finally you track it all down to the P&L level to ensure that the results hit the bottom line. The white paper is called the Fortenberry Cash-to-Cash Series. There's so much more in there to talk about. I wish we had more time, but Jay Fortenberry, I want to thank you so much for being with us today to explain this really crucial concept in business management. Thank you very much. Thank you. That was my conversation with Jay Fortenberry, talking about the cash-to-cash model for improving supply chain efficiency. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Got any suggestions or comments on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. See you next time.